Good morning, church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are so grateful that we can come together this morning to worship and to witness the baptism and the uh, joining our church up by statement of these individuals here. Not only in our worship here, but also in the previous worship, in the Chinese worship. About 20-some people joined us as well. So all together, 51 new members join our church either by statement or by baptism. I don't know about you, uh, what is the biggest news of the week? We are saddened to wake up this morning on Easter Sunday to hear about the attack on the churches and hotels in Sri Lanka. Over 200 people died and over 500 people have uh, been injured. Most likely a well-coordinated attack by the terrorist. That could be the biggest news for the week. And for many of you, it is the burning of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris that makes the biggest news for this week, that capture most of your attention. And, and for basketball fans, it is the Clippers who erase a 31-point deficit and stage the biggest playoff rally in NBA history and defeated Warriors. I love Warriors. And if you are into golfing, golf fans, it is Tiger Woods who won the 2019 Masters for his 15 major championship and first major title in nearly 11 years. He was in bad shape for 11 years. What a comeback. What a comeback. And for you, that's the biggest news of the week. And, but for Christians today, we all know that the biggest news is that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that's why we have baptism on Easter Sunday. Baptism is an act of faith. When we immerse each baptismal candidate into the water, it is symbolizing that we die with Christ. And when we come out from the water, it is symbolizing that we will rise up and live for Jesus and for Him only. And today you are the witnesses of this sacred moment. And that is the greatest news for us, that Jesus gives us new life. Jesus gives lives. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus did the same thing to a needy family. That is recorded in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. I'm going to invite you to read together with me as a basis of our exposition tonight. Let's read together. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it again. Fear sees them all, and they glorify God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. You know, we have some coordination difficulties. It's not, it's not their fault, it's my fault, you know. Uh, but as we read in this story, 
that Jesus was entering a town called Nain. And Nain is located in the south of the Galilee area. Uh, Jesus met a funeral procession that carries the body of a young man to his burial place outside the city. You know, it was a sad story because he was the only son of a widow. Only son of a widow. The widow has buried her husband years ago. Now, she buries her own son. It is a double blow. A widow without a son was most likely be without financial means to support herself. So now, she suffers not only emotionally, but she suffers economically as well. But in verse 13 says, Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. See, this was a well-attended funeral. Verse 12 says, a considerable crowd from the town was with her. She was walking among a sympathetic crowd, but Jesus saw her. The focus of the funeral most likely will be on that young man's dead body. And the air was thick with the questions, why? Why so young? Why her family again? And yet, Jesus saw her. You know, she must have the saddest eyes of all and the most heart-wrenching cry that even the most composed individual will tear up. Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her grief. Jesus saw her sorrows. And Jesus saw her helplessness. Her grief is very raw because typically a Jewish person, when they died, they bury the dead within 24 hours. It must be so raw within her. Sadness occupied her, minds her heart. You know, in some ways we can identify with the widow because we all have brokenness and pains that left scars in our hearts, in our memories, and some are still bleeding, right? Jesus saw her, verse 13 says, Jesus had compassion on her. You know, death is so final. When death invades our territory, basically it is final. That's it. Death severs relationship. That's it. Death erases fate's memory of a loved one. That's it. Death creates emptiness in our hearts. Death is so final. And Jesus stopped to offer his compassion to her. You know, the ancient community tend to be a close-knit one. And people tend to be more sympathetic to such a needy family. A widow buries her own son. But that's all they can do. They can only journey with her to keep her company and to mourn together with her. But after the funeral, the crowd will thin out. Everybody has to go back to tend to their own needs. That is when the widow has to grieve alone. Who can understand a sorrow of a widow? Jesus came to offer his compassion. You know, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, we are reminded 
that Jesus identifies with our human frailty, and he sets us free from the fear of death. It reads, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus identifies with our fears. Jesus identifies with our brokenness. He came for us. And Jesus not only saw her, Jesus not only had compassion on her, and here we see in verse 13 that Jesus said to her, Do not weep. Do not weep. What do you say to a widow who lost a son and has to go on with her life all by herself? Sometimes we don't even bear to look into her eyes. Weeping is expected. Weeping is therapeutic, some would say. Weeping fixed the occasion. That's the right place, the right time to, to cry. And weeping helps us to process our griefs and restores our emotions to a healthier state. And hopefully over time, we can move on with lesser and lesser pains. You choose your work carefully when you speak to the grieving family. But Jesus has made a bold statement, do not weep. Because of all the people, the funeral procession runs into the giver of life, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did the unthinkable. He stopped the whole procession. He stopped the funeral procession. You know, you don't play pranks like that to a grieving family. If you don't have answer, don't even attempt that. It's not funny. It's one thing to say words of comfort to the grieving widow, but to stop the whole procession is beyond the wildest imagination of our people. But again, Jesus is the giver of life. Verse 14 says Jesus stopped the procession by touching the beer. And the beer is a framework that carries a coffin or corpse for burial. Now, it is an extremely bold move. You better know what you are doing, right? What are the alternatives if we do not bury the dead? Are you intervening or are you interrupting? You see, when you have something to offer, it is called intervention. But when you have nothing to offer, it is called interruption. Did Jesus intervene or he interrupt? Jesus intervenes because he wants to offer life. He wants to offer life to the young man and to the mother. But it is also a compassionate move. By touching the beer that carries a dead person, Jesus has allowed himself to be considered ceremonially unclean in the Jewish custom. That's how far he is willing to go to bring comfort to the widow. Jesus has something better to offer. 
He is the resurrection and the life. He is our creator. He gives lives. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in the Gospel of John chapter 1, that talks about the Word, the Word is Jesus Christ. He is God. He is the creator of all things that is ever created. And He gives life. And His life is the light of man. When we have the life of Jesus in our heart, we can see. We can see our destiny. We can see our identity in Christ. We can see our purpose in life. We can see our ultimate encounter with Jesus when we will be with Him in eternity. You see, He is life. He is light. He gives us light. And Jesus, the giver of life, commands the young man to arise. And he obeyed. Even though he was dead, he obeyed the giver of life. He obeyed the creator. When the creator says, arise, all the creatures will arise. And he begins to show signs of life by speaking, by talking. And Jesus brought him to his mother. See, Jesus turns a funeral service to a reunion of a mother and her son. What a blessing. What a joy. You know, who are impacted by this miracle? Many people. In verse 12, we are reminded that many people follow Jesus. The disciples and a great crowd went with him, ready to get into the city of Nain. And then from the city of Nain, out came that funeral procession where probably half of the city, small town, went along to show the sympathy and journeyed together with the widow. There were a lot of people. They were witnesses of Jesus' miracle of rising, arising the young man from dead. They saw the whole process and they witnessed that miracle. Everybody can testify. I was there. I was there. I was there. I saw it myself. I saw the whole process. Jesus brought miracle to this young man's life. And today, we have witness in our midst, those who were baptized and those who transfer into our church. And not only those who are on the stage here, but even among us sitting here, those who claim to be Jesus, those who claim to follow Jesus, those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we all have a story to tell. We all have a gospel story to tell. We are the witnesses. All the people who were there were impacted by the miracle of Jesus' work. Not, not only that, verse 16 tells us that fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. Those who witnessed were awestruck by the divine power Jesus has demonstrated. 
They believe Jesus to be a great prophet, like the Old Testament prophets, like Elijah and Elisha, who both, both of them in the Old Testament times had rose, had resurrected a young child through the power of God. So he must be a great prophet, just like Elijah, just like Elisha. But you know what? They also recognize something more in Jesus. They recognize that Jesus is more than a great prophet. They said God has visited his people. This act of God, miracle, miracle is an act of God. This act of God clearly demonstrates that Jesus has divine in him, has the divinity in him. He is God. He can't just be a great prophet. He himself, he is God. And they recognize Jesus as God. You know, the crowd has expressed their opinion. And so must we. And today, as we encounter these miracles that Jesus performed 2,000 years ago, recorded in God's word, what is your response to him? What statement would you make about Jesus? They say, well, he's a great prophet, but more than that, he must be God. God has visited us. What is your statement today? Who is Jesus? Is he truly the creator? Is he truly the giver of life? If he is, what is the implication for me? What is my relationship with him? How do I respond to him if he is truly the creator, God, and the giver of life? Just like the crowds who make their statement clear today, you must express your opinion as well. See, Jesus is such a crucial figure in social history that every person must decide where he fits. And on this Easter Sunday, may Jesus open our eyes that we can recognize him as the giver of life. The disciples and the followers were witnesses. They were impacted by the miracle. Others who witnessed the miracle also gave an expression of where they stand and their relationship with Jesus, the great prophet and God who came and intervened and brought change into the widow's life. What about you? But thirdly, there's another group. In verse 17 says, And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Who are they? They are the witnesses who went about and proclaimed the gospel and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ and retell the story of the miracle so that others will get to know Jesus Christ. And today, we can be that witness as well. Today we can be that person who spread the good news and to spread the story of Jesus Christ coming into this world to die on our behalf. We can be reconciled with him if we receive Jesus into our hearts. Could that be the Sunday that you will open your hearts to Jesus? Some of you grew up in the church. You have that story year after year after year. Could it be the day that today it begins to make sense to you that I need Jesus in my life. 
You know, I worked in Singapore for 18 years as a missionary in a Bible college. And when I was the president of the seminary, I had to fly all over to preach, to teach, to raise funds, to, to uh, recruit students for the Bible college. One year, I was preaching in Germany around uh, somewhere close by Frankfurt, but a smaller town away from Frankfurt. And it was a Easter Sunday. Um, I never know that they have such a tradition in Germany that on Easter Sunday, around 4 o'clock, all the church's bell will start tall, being tall and start ringing. All the churches. Nobody can sleep. Because you will hear, it's like your alarm clock sounding at the same time all over. There are so many churches in Germany. So I was awakened to that bell ringing in my ears. I don't know for how long. must be at least one hour or so. And then slowly, they died down. It was an Easter Sunday. And then after that, I was preaching uh, on, uh, in an outdoor uh, uh, event. And some of the Germans who walked by and saw, wondering, you know, what's happening in there, all these Asians there, and preaching in Chinese, you know, they can't understand. But they stopped by there and tried to pick in and see what's happening in the courtyard of a hotel. That was like 10 years ago. And then five years later, I was still in Singapore Bible College. It was a day of prayer where we spent a whole day praying and reading scriptures and singing together to worship and to listen to devotions and divide into groups to pray. And then you have your personal time as well. And we had a beautiful chapel with great acoustics. And when it was a time for people to go to their separate solitude and spend time with the Lord, spend time reading God's Word and spend time meditating, I decided to stay in that chapel. I was in the first row. And I was all by myself. That was the time when I was going through some difficult times, challenging situations, and didn't really know what to do. So I was praying on the first row, fixing the stained glass, and just asked God to reveal to me what He has in my mind. And I remember so clearly that at that moment, I heard the bells in Germany again. It was as if someone rang a bell right next to me. I heard it. Of course, it was not audibly, but I heard the bell chiming and ringing again, right at that moment. It was as if God was telling me, Albert, it's okay. I am the Lord of the resurrection. Whatever happened in the life, don't worry. I'll take your hand and we can walk through together. You'll be okay. That chime, that bell reminded me Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus is the Lord of resurrection. There was no message but that bell was a message to me that trust me and walk with me. Maybe today, God is using a sentence in the songs and in the worship anthems was reminding your heart of something that has been buried deep inside. And today is the day that you need to open up and say, Jesus, come into my life. Maybe God is using a certain phrase or sentence in this message here that reminds you of your commitment, that reminds you of your promise, that reminds you of 
days ahead, years ahead, that you have committed yourself to Jesus, but you have been falling, falling away. And today, he's calling you again and say, come back to me, follow me. I will take your hand, and we can walk together. I am your shepherd. Walk with me. Maybe today, even as you witness the baptismal candidates one by one being immersed in the water and rise up again, that picture in itself is a picture of salvation. That Jesus come and die for us, and we die with him because he bore our sins. And rising again, we walk with Jesus and allow God's spirit and God's word to guide us and to live a life that will please him and be a disciple makers of Jesus Christ. And maybe today, through that picture, through that reminder, again, you say, Jesus, I come to you. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. Could it be that? And could it be today? May Jesus speak to you. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we bow our heads in acknowledgement of your lordships in our lives. We bow our heads to humble ourselves so that we can see clearly because in our arrogance and pride, in our sinfulness and selfishness, we only see ourselves. But it is in bowing down, in humility, that we begin to acknowledge you are the creator. You are the Lord. You are the giver of life. You are my Lord. And this morning I pray, Lord, for our congregation, for our friends who are attending this Easter Sunday service here. I pray that as clearly as you allow me to hear the bell ringing again in my ears when I was in that chapel, that you will remind those whom you need to remind of a word, of a sentence, of a phrase, of an experience, of a Sunday school teacher's teaching, of a commitment, of a special event, that they will remember. It was you. It was you who is calling the attention of me, and I need to respond to you. I pray, Lord, that in our quiet moment of prayers, that you will come and touch our hearts and humble us and soften our hearts so that we can respond to you. You are my Lord, and I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.